Welcome to The Midnight Circle from your friends at the House of Whimsical Terror. A chat about spooky topics. And this week's topic is last meals and spirit foods. I love this topic. I love learning about spirits and I love food. I love food, which was like what I was actually looking for was food <laughs> topics, but really not last meals. That just is the rabbit hole up, down which I found myself. Which is <laughs> lovely because this so. is what the Midnight Circle is about, different yeah. than our House of Whimsical Terror That's episodes. Right. It is about topics that we are interested in and Doing a little bit of research about, yeah. or you're doing most of the research. I should say. You are too. You are too. Let us not diminish your contributions to research. <laughs> now, this is yeah, it's a adjacent topics, adjacent horror, <laughs> adjacent yeah, horror. or spooky or spooky or something. yeah, adjacent yeah. creep stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just talk about it. So I was looking up, I don't know, spooky food things. Mm-hmm. And I found that I found this out, which I didn't know. Apparently, last meals are a very old tradition. Okay, like the last meals that uh, people on death row. Yeah, eat. yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So, so they were actually first documented in pre-Christian times, which I found fascinating. Mm-hmm. Firstly, that they were documented, and secondly, it was pre-Christian times. Very old. Yeah, yeah. So in ancient Greece, um, you had to feed condemned prisoners a last meal so that they could cross over the river Styx into the underworld and not return to haunt as a hungry ghost. Oh, no. I do not want any hungry ghosts. <laughs> no, right? And they didn't want them either. And apparently being afraid of ghosts made their last meals a thing. Oh. So that I guess what spurred it was their fear of hungry ghosts. I think we're going to have less meals because of this. Yes. So that became their thing. Um, so yeah, this is like a super old thing. And then, so then I, the, you know, the rabbit hole brought me to today, which, um, after copious amounts of reading, of course, um, but I found out that like different states, like states in the United States, um, they dictate the delivery of last meals all differently. So there's not like a federal standard around right. last meals. So, of course, I looked at Arizona because we we're in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in Arizona, apparently the prisoners would fill out a form and then they have to turn it in no later than 14 days before the execution. Um, and this is what I read. So if you work for the Arizona Department of Corrections, you can correct me. Um, but from what I read, they have to turn it in no later than 14 days before their execution. And I'm not really sure they didn't elaborate on what happens if it's late. So, Mary, Mm. what would be your last meal? Mesquite grilled steak. Uh, With baked potato? Baked potato. Salad? Ice cream. No. Mm. no. I love salad, but I would pick ice cream. Okay, there you go. I'd pick ice cream, steak, and a potato. There you go. Yeah, but it's not a new steak. Mesquite grilled steak. grilled steak. Yeah. That would be it. Yep, yep. I hope I would get my paperwork in 14 days before, but you I'm a would. terrible procrastinator. No, you would do it. I don't know. And what would your last? It would be a tamal and some frijoles and calabacitas and french fries. 
Oh, yes. Yes. French fries. I think I could, I would come back as a hungry ghost if I didn't get my yeah, French fries. Yeah, yeah. I believe that about you. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Like mm-hmm. the whole French fry. Yeah. I'd be They're grumpy. very important. I'd be a grumpy, hungry ghost. Yeah. Um, I should have signed up for French fries instead of baked potato. I can, I'm going to change it out. Yeah, but with the steak, I don't know if I'm allowed yeah. to. You are. You're allowed to. Yeah. I would change it out then, yeah. It's the last meal school. Let's not be on death row. Let's just not do that. Yeah, let's okay. not do that. We're not going to do that, you guys. That sounds horrible. I'm just letting you know in advance. Mm-hmm. So some states, though, they don't offer special last meals at all. Texas, right? Oh, yeah. that's oh. That tracks. That's so sad. If you're curious, though, of what famous murderers ordered for their last meals, um, you're going to have to Google that, people in the audience, because I did not include that, um, actually out of respect for the loved ones of those that have been lost. But, um, yeah, and so, but that's a whole other rabbit hole, really. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing, but I'm glad you were respectful. Yeah, yeah. Uh And um, so... As I was looking into this morbid topic, I also came across ritual food offerings, which was probably really what I was after in the first place. But then, I and more cheerful, other places. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I love ritual and I love food. What better topic? So this topic, which is obviously more intriguing to me, um, ritual offerings are made to connect with deities or spirits or elementals, and then. Um, I found out that they are common, but they are different across locations, cultures, and traditions. They're actually more common than I thought. And um, they may be made, so they may, all of them pretty much are made to seek guidance or spiritual favor or as a symbol of reverence to whichever elemental deity or spirit uh, one is seeking to commune with. Uh, but many of the rituals, though, contain offerings of similar things. So there's like wine and spirits, spirits as in like, you know, alcohol, um, whiskey or tequila. The sween or pochini. Si. And, um, we, oui. yeah, <laughs> I don't remember which language I should say that in. Um, but then tobacco and other sacred smoke is also often, uh, included in these ritual food offerings. So that might be like sweet grass smoke or sage or cedar. And then of course, bread and cakes and sweets are very popular. And then also like different fruits and milk or honey, but all of the offerings are in themselves symbolic in nature. So each thing that's utilized as part of the ritual food offering has a symbolic meaning within the context of the offering itself. And in some traditions, the deity that they're making the offering to will be invited into the worshiper's body to enjoy the eating of the offerings through them. That just sounds dangerous. It does. Like, oops, wrong deity. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> not It good. just sounds really it does. risky. It does. Risky. So, friends at home, maybe don't do that. Yeah, don't. we would not advocate for that. But if you want to. But if you want to, like, yeah. Your business. Like, whatever. All so right. I want to talk about uh, something that's a little close to our region and our culture. Uh, many families who maintain home altars. Mm-hmm. And we do. That's absolutely right. And these altars may hold family pictures of loved ones who have passed 
and maybe statues or rosaries or incense burners or any number of things depending on the culture or tradition. And Creole, Buddhist, Catholic, Santerian, Sicilians, etc. There are many groups that use altars. Yeah, so many. Mm, but our chat would not be complete without speaking about Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. Did I say los? I meant los. You said los. Los muertos. Or maybe you didn't. I don't know. We're not editing. So. Or Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. And it's a tradition that honors ancestors, but it's not unique to Mexico or Central and South America. It's practiced around the world also. Yeah. However, this tradition is perhaps one of the most visually depicted in films and photos. It is. Mm-hmm. It's it is. so frequently. It's true. I can think of like three right off the top of right? my head. Yeah. Nocturnal vigils and serenades are held overnight and at times for days to remember the past loved ones. Mm-hmm. Graves are decorated, celebrated, and visited from October 30th to November 2nd, which is the actual Via de los Muertos. That's right. It is believed that the souls come visit during this time and home altars are constructed to honor them mm. with marigolds and sweetbreads yeah. and but so, you know, people keep home altars year round. Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, we do. But, but for Dia de los Muertos, they become so much, well, they are infused with so much more meaning, but they also become much more elaborate. Mm-hmm. And that, that would be something for people to look for or look up as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. And the time of year that miracles are. Mm-hmm. So graves are decorated, celebrated and visited. And it's believed that the souls come to visit during this time. Uh, fruits, toys, salt, tobacco, and perhaps a glass of water to quench the thirst of the traveling souls are all oh, on the yeah. altar display. Yeah. Day of the Dead is also a time when we might ask the dead to intercede in our worldly affairs mm-hmm. as they are our spiritual allies and offer us assistance. Like yeah. guardian angels, only they're our ancestors. Yes. Yeah. And we do, uh, one thing that we do when there's like a, a wedding or some kind of celebration, we'll pour a libation to our dead, um, ancestors who would have loved to have, you know, been there yeah. in corporeal form. Um, mm-hmm. might be there. I, I yeah. like to think that they're there. Me too. In spirit form, but we do pour a little, you know, Libation of something they enjoy drinking. Uh-huh. And absolutely. And, you know, we would uh, pour a little bit of whiskey. Yeah. Just to honor him. Uh, and if, you know, if they're going to be present in spirit form, that would be the time because the veil is so thin. Exactly. Yeah, I love that term. Mm. The veil is thin. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should be doing this on, on uh, in October. But I know, but we're not. We're not, because we're just going to be, like, spooky all year round. Every day is Halloween. Every day is Halloween. We are in the Samhain tradition all year round. Yeah. Some of the more unique expressions of spirit connection is when the Maya of Guatemala fly elaborate kites, some over 100 feet in diameter. Yeah, as big as a house. That's amazing. Right? In the cemeteries to guide the spirits back to earth. Isn't that beautiful? It, it is. And they're really decorative and gorgeous. Just to really bring them back. Yeah. 
Notes are tied to the kite string to send to the dead. Special foods are prepared to enjoy at the grave sites. In Nicaragua, they prepare buñuelos and tamales, spirit foods, mm-hmm. for the occasion. I did not know that buñuelos and tamales were spirit, spirit foods, foods in Nicaragua. They are. We make buñuelos on New Year's yeah. Eve. Yeah. In the Andes communities, they prepare a beverage called colada morada, made from blackberries and loaves of bread called guaguas, shaped like animals and children. Yeah, that's ritual, cool. ritual, um, and symbolic. And it's a beverage. Elements, and beverage and bread. And the bread, okay. Yeah. Today, Dia de los Muertos is also a celebration of heritage, culture, and at times resistance. The preservation of ancestor and death, honoring rituals. Yeah, rituals. Rituals were sustained throughout colonial times by the indigenous populations of the Southwest. Mm-hmm. Honoring the dead is also honoring how they died. Often, this was from preventable causes like malnutrition or disease exposure. Yeah. The personal is political. The personal is political. And so in the preservation of their culture, the way that it was easiest for them to preserve it was through these these uh, rituals related to death because somehow that flew under the radar more successfully mm-hmm. than trying to preserve the active um, type of uh, sacred ritual that they would normally do throughout their day or throughout their their time. So they were able to incorporate some of these rituals and preserve them. Yeah, so the colonists probably either ignored or avoided, you know, yeah, death. So they were to, able to incorporate those things. Yes. And, and then there was a lot of syncretism or the marriage of, you know, their traditional indigenous beliefs with the beliefs that were being imposed upon them, often beliefs, Catholic beliefs or Christian beliefs. Um, they would syncretize or combine their spirit worship with the worship of the saints. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to preserve their culture, but in a way that was very covert. Right, right. You know, and um, and I think you see that more more overtly with rituals related to, like, Day of the Dead or Dio de los Muertos. Right. So it is, it's a form of, it was a form of resistance. I like that. The first processions in the U.S. were organized by Chicano peoples in California in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Tucson has one of the largest all-souls processions and altar rituals in the nation. Yes. It is the creation of sacred space by the community. Over 200,000 people walk two miles in procession to place to a place where there is a ceremonial burning of the urn. The urn is filled with notes, hopes, and wishes from the community members for those who have passed. You can look up the allsoulsprocession.org. It is freaking amazing. It is amazing. And I think it was it was last year they had two, over 200,000 people. Um, it's extraordinary. People come from all over to participate in in the procession. And it feels like there's no one left in their homes in Tucson on that yeah, night. Yeah. It's like everybody is Everybody's out. there. And, you know, dressed in, you know, beautiful yeah. um, sugar skull fashion yeah. with uh, skulls, but that are 
beautifully decorated with colors and flowers and and they make posters of their loved ones and Mm -hmm. like you know um and it's not just for humans that are loved that have passed it's also for their animals and it's just a really it's an extraordinary event and i do encourage people to look up allsoulsprocession.org pretty it is when you say whimsical terror there's something whimsical and and spooky about it at the same time so it's scary but pretty it's it's lovely I think uh, I've carried my parents' ashes quite a few times in the mm-hmm. procession. And yeah, I have a friend that uh, took photos of the procession one year, and uh, she showed them to me. And so there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of orbs. So you see all these colorful, like people with their animals, and they're in costume, and they have their signs, and they're walking, and there's all these orbs and. That is in the photos. photos. Magnificent, magnificent pictures. But definitely check it out. But, uh, that's, that's all I have on this topic. And, uh, I think that celebrating the living and the dead should be a daily action anyway. Yes. We go at least, well, as often as we can. Uh, my mother's family is from a little town called Ajo, Arizona which is in the middle of the Sonoran Desert. It's a tiny town, mm-hmm. and so many of our people are buried there. And we go there, and we have picnics at the graves and clean up the graves and talk to our ancestors in their graves. And I love that. So, And we don't necessarily go on Dia de los Muertos. We go, you know, and eat. Whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we can all get together, we go and, yeah. and eat with them. Exactly. So... That would be my message. Celebrate the living and the dead every day. And if you can include food, it makes it even better. <laughs> well, of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all we have. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody.